Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Free Guy. Yes, the Ryan Reynolds comedy is finally out in theaters after a deluge of delays uh, coming up on the pandemic. It's finally here. We went and saw it, and we're going to let you know if it's worth your time. We also took a look at Beckett, a smaller uh, Greek film, a thriller starring John David Washington that just arrived on Netflix. It was number two in the United States this week, and we're going to let you know if it's worth your time. We're going to look at some movies that are coming up, some exciting things uh, in the next few months that might be worth you going to see at the theater or maybe stay home and watch. And of course, we're going to talk about the news. First things first, Disney Plus tops expectations and reaches... 116 million subscribers lots of people lots of people are going to disney plus andy and uh, as far as we can tell it's totally worth the price of admission right yeah uh it's pretty wild uh, disney has basically doubled their uh subscribers uh over over a year over the past year um you know the, the pandemic honestly kind of helping out a lot with that um they've also had uh they've opened in in some overseas markets namely uh uh, Indonesia, India, that uh, part of the, the world that makes up for a lot of their new subscribers. All in all, uh, including their um, like their ESPN Hulu package, uh, Disney's up to 173 million subscribers t- total globally. Yeah, it, it is it is insanity. Like I knew when Disney announced a couple years ago they were going to do this Disney service that like it would be a big deal, but. Considering their positioning with Hulu and ESPN online, I mean they're they're second only to Netflix at this point, right? Right, exactly, and um, that window is probably going to continue to close. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, here we go. I was I was just thinking when we were looking at this, I was like, there's this awesome chart you had shared with me uh, when you found this story. This is exactly what I wanted to show people. Uh, this is just a basic <laughs> major US-based subscription video streaming service uh, reporting paid subs chart. Just a bar graph for any of you listening on on audio who might not be able to see it. It's got Netflix at 209.2 million subscribers as of June 21st. That's global. And Disney close behind with 173 million. And then following that, tailing with only 42 million subscribers Viacom CBS. I mean, it's not even a contest. It is a mountain between like the lesser and Netflix and Disney here. And it's it's weird to see Disney closing that gap. Yeah, it, it's, it's wild to think. And the thing is, they're finally starting to hit their stride. You know, they've had a lot of success with their Marvel shows uh, this spring and summer. And they only have more to come. They, they have more Marvel shows, Star Wars shows. They have a lot more to offer uh, soon. So it's it's going to be, they're probably going to over, uh, you know, surpass Netflix one of these days. Man, what? A- probably not too far and probably not too far off. Why? Okay, here's here's a question. And before I get too far away from it, it's worth mentioning HBO Max, Peacock, Prime Video, and Apple TV Plus all do not actively report their numbers, so we don't have exact metrics on them. They might be a lot closer to Disney and Netflix than Viacom, CBS, Discovery, and Lionsgate, but it's unclear right now at this time. Uh, why is Disney having this much success? I mean, obviously Hulu and ESPN, ESPN's a big part of it, but you wouldn't think Disney Plus, a show with a bunch of kids stuff on it, would be killing it, right? Or is it just parents that are signing up? I mean, what do you it's think? IP, baby. It's. I mean, they got the the hot properties. Uh, yeah. Star, Star Wars, Marvel, the Disney back catalog. I mean, their bread and butter is is also family, uh, family film, family entertainment, and they got that market cornered. And they, like you said, they got tons of stuff for kids. And that's the thing. Like we we talk about the big things coming out on, on Disney Plus, like the Marvel shows, but they have plenty of of other new uh, programming of. Of, th- of things that are for kids and for, and for families that you know there i know there's the uh 
the high school musical show. There's other weekly shows. So they have a lot of new content that's more than just like the movie and shows that we talk about. Disney Plus is currently, what, $8 a month for anybody who wants to try it out at home, or you can package it with Hulu and ESPN Plus. Uh, here on Offscript, we'll continue reviewing stuff that's available on Disney Plus, and we'll let you know whether or not it's worth your time. So if you want to hear more about Disney, just subscribe to Offscript, and we'll keep you posted. Our next story, Netflix's Gunpowder Milkshake shoots to the top of the movie ranking chart. Andy, we reviewed this a couple weeks ago, and we didn't think it was that good. So the question is, why is Gunpowder Milkshake, a movie that ultimately is not that outstanding, doing so well on Netflix? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe because it's mindless action. Maybe because the big names are a, are a draw. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty... Um pretty mediocre movie we both said hard pass on it which we we usually never do um but i guess people are tuned in to watch it does have some some good action scenes and like you said it's got a big cast uh named cast so i guess that's what's pulling in i don't really know because like we did not favorably review that at all no i mean it, it just goes to show when it comes to these streaming services like it it really is a combination of having a charming premise, having some great marketing, a really good thumbnail on Netflix's search feature, and just some good faces, right? Get some good actors and actresses who seem reputable, throw them on screen, and and before you know it, people will click, and ultimately they'll probably end up watching your whole feature. Uh, it speaks a lot towards how streaming services market new, smaller, mid-budget features right you're not going to find gunpowder milkshake at a movie theater um you'll find it on netflix though and it turns out that's kind of exactly where it belongs because it's not good enough to be in a theater it's just kind of a middling feature but uh not all that glitters is gold i guess or the opposite of that phrase things things that are not that good do really well sometimes on netflix Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, and again, that's kind of what leads to what, because we keep asking the question, why do we, we keep getting v very mediocre, middle of the road action films with big name stars and terrible scripts from Netflix? And this, and this is why, because it's, everyone watches it. It's, you know, it tops their charts every time it seems. So I guess we're going to keep getting them. Yeah. One other thing that's interesting out of this story, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake was the top of the movie rankings chart as far as streaming services is concerned. Next behind it was Luca. The Disney uh, Pixar film that's free to stream on Disney Plus, uh, if you have Disney Plus, of course. And then following that, Black Widow, which costs $30 a pop to watch on Disney Plus. So that's a $30 price of admission on top of just getting, you know, to Disney Plus for $8 a month. And then right behind that is Amazon's The Tomorrow War, that Chris Pratt movie that came out a few weeks back. That's number so four. Just kind of, no, it, well, it's true. But an interesting, interesting look at what, streaming service like what the marketplace looks like right now for success in streaming services right you have a mediocre feature a pretty solid feature that was released for free which was odd a solid theatrical film black widow that's 30 dollars to watch at home like it's a steep asking price as far as streaming films are concerned and then an amazon prime feature that probably would have been headed to the movie theaters but ultimately wasn't um people like stuff that's cinematic people like stuff that's free and people are willing to pay for quality i think right Right. Well, and I mean, there's lots of different ways to make money in in the movie business, and one of them is like mindless entertainment. That is what the Tomorrow War does. It, it's got you know kind of mindless action. It's got Chris Pratt, a couple of other big stars, uh, Yvonne Strahovski is in it as well. Um, so you know, there's I could see why people might want to tune into it, and it's you know it's the middle of a summer. It's a big kind of summer blockbuster type of film, and 
baby, you know, it's finding an audience. Yeah. Well, as far as audiences are concerned, it seems like most people want to stay at home. Uh, last week, we reported that uh, DC's The Suicide Squad did not actually make exactly how much money they were looking forward to getting. They were just a few million shy, which is surprising. Uh, a lot of people said maybe it's because the coronavirus is back and better than ever and people want to stay out of theaters. But then you look at Free Guy, which this week made $28.4 million in its opening weekend at the box office. Uh, as far as Disney concern, is concerned, that's a big win, right? Yeah, uh, that's a huge win. It it actually surpassed uh, estimates, which were in the kind of low twenty million dollar range. So it it superseded or it exceeded expectations. Uh, a lot of people went out and saw it, and it, it was critically. Uh, most critics seemed to like it. Most audiences seemed to like it. So yeah, it was a big success for Disney, and it, it's already they've already greenly greenlit the sequel. Yeah, hard to believe we already have a free guy too coming down the pipeline um you know free guy obviously emulating a little bit of that like woke self-awareness deadpool kind of energy that ryan reynolds been, has been bringing to his recent performances uh obviously it's going to be something people want to see i think people already are drawn to that i think people are looking for for an escape right to get out of the current situation and frankly they've been advertising free guy for like two years i mean we said before uh, this this show a couple of times that we feel like we've seen the whole film just in trailers. So I'm a little surprised it did so well. But man, they, it just goes to show if you keep pushing for your thing to come out in theaters, eventually people will go see it. Because I would have said this should have been a streaming movie um, before actually seeing the film. Uh, are you surprised by these numbers, Andy? I mean, I, I feel like I, I certainly am. I'm a little bit. I mean, we we went into this not favorable at all. I mean, this looked pretty mediocre to me, uh, kind of thin beer as far as a plot and I, I felt like all the best stuff would be in the in the trailer um where but it actually it, it's a better movie than that and uh you know people still want to get out to to the theater if if they can at least a, a little bit it it seems like um that's one of those pastimes that that people i think really miss uh in the age of, of coronavirus and but like you said people are coming out yeah I like the audience statistics that here. Seventy-one uh, percent of the audience was under the age of thirty-five for Free Guy, at least in theatrical markets, which is the only place it was released. So yeah, seventy-one percent of the audience for Free Guy was under the age of thirty-five. Fifty percent between ages of eighteen and thirty-four. Uh, Fifty fifty-nine percent male, forty-one percent female. That's how math works. And it did big business for IMAX and other premium large format screens. Uh, I think that's good, you know. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad Free Guy did well. I guess. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about the actual feature. So without further ado, something a little different this week. Uh, Andy, I got, I got to let you in on a little secret here. I don't, I don't need the people at home to, to know this, but I forgot to unlock my deadbolt on the front door and Christine's going to be home any minute. So why don't you start on, on the summary for free guy and I will <laughs> okay. go do that. And then when I get back, it'll be smooth and it'll be like, I was never gone. All right. Sounds good. Perfect. Go ahead and get us started. Free guy. So this is the latest uh, action comedy from director Sean Levy and uh, starring Ryan Reynolds and Jodie Comer. Uh, Ryan Reynolds plays Guy, who is a video game NPC, which is a non-playable character. Uh, he's an avatar within the game. Uh, free, free City. Free City is kind of a mix of uh, something like open world, like Grand Theft Auto, 
uh, free guy. He's a bank teller. He gets robbed every every day in this town. And it's one of those, you know, it's a free free kind of open world game where people just kind of, they get shot, they get beat up uh, all the time. And he kind of gets a little tired of this and, and wonders, he has an existential crisis and is like, you know, is there more to this than just me getting robbed every day? Um, and he eventually sees uh, Jodie Comer's character, uh, Millie, or Molotov Girl, uh, walk in or walk past with so much swag, cool outfit, pink hair, and he just kind of falls instantly in love and tries to follow her and eventually is kind of uh, killed and, and reset in, in the game. And he, but he, he kind of keeps pursuing her, and he eventually puts on these glasses that make him be, see the world the way the gamers, the players, see the world, which is, uh, you know, they see all these signs, all these extra things, health bars, money, everything, and he starts just living life uh, kind of on on a whole different level because he's playing like a player. And, and it throws the whole game because all of a sudden there's someone uh, who's not a player but kind of acting differently. And he decides to take on a very positive role because he said you know i don't have to get punched every day we don't have to get robbed so he kind of turns into a little bit of a hero where he's like stopping crimes within the game doing all this positive stuff and he eventually becomes this huge sensation uh for the for the game for the company uh, on the outside in the real world uh we have uh, a couple of characters joe keery uh uh, from Stranger Things plays a character named Keys, who's uh, he's a coder at, at this big kind of evil company that runs the video game, and uh, Jodie Comer's real life character uh, Millie. Uh, they there's a, a subplot involving um, IP stealing and them trying to take down the big guys, um, you know, through the game. And so that's kind of there's a lot going on. That's kind of our setup. It's an action comedy. The NPC realizes he's in a video game. That's the short version. So. Hopefully Zach's back by now. And I uh, <laughs> Zach, what'd you think? Uh, so I actually kind of liked Free Guy. Uh, and I really didn't think I was gonna. I try to be pretty open-minded whenever I go see features. But like I said before we started this, like it felt like we had seen everything this movie had to offer. And if you've watched most of the trailers for Free Guy, honestly, you mostly have. But what's surprising about Free Guy is how charming it is in its presentation. Um, it's not... The most well-edited film, the plot is sticky and doesn't seem to understand, like, the, the medium of digital space. Uh, and ultimately, the characters are a little thin, and it borrows a lot of tropes from other films uh, that have done things a little better. But it's a clever combination of, of genres and blends that I think actually kind of works. Um, it's charming. It's, it's you know, it's, it's relatively heartfelt. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's a good popcorn flick. I'm surprised at how much I enjoyed Free Guy. Andy, what did you think? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought uh, as well. Um, like I said, I, I thought the premise was a little thin uh, from the trailers, but uh, it kind of has a lot of heart. Like like I said, it, it gets a little bit into this existentialism about like, what are we doing here every day? Why do I just do the same things? Um, you know, so that, re that really resonates. Uh, this kind of uh, digital romance between uh, Guy and... Molotov Girl is, is really sweet. It it definitely falls into a lot of cliches, both inside the game and outside, but it executes it really well, and and it's really sweet, and it, it actually does kind of, kind of work. Um, there's a, a couple of extra plot points, or the kind of subplots that you could probably uh, drop for time, because it did uh, feel a little bit long. Um, but overall, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's very wholesome and po positive in its message. There's good, fun action scenes. If you're if you're a gamer, 
you'll definitely catch on to a lot of the references. And even if you're not, they, they kind of made the movie so that even if you weren't a video game player, that you would still um, understand and, and have fun in the movie. Yeah, they, they've done a good job of, of making this kind of video game city uh, that that guy inhabits. It's called Free City. That's the name of the video game and the name of the world in the video game. Uh, it's very <laughs> like uh, uh, white collar. Uh, everybody looks very clean, clean lines, nice place, right? But there's these people running around in the world of Free City that wear sunglasses. Uh, Ryan Reynolds addresses them in an opening monologue as sunglasses wearers, right? Sunglass people. And they are adventurous and boisterous and don't seem to care about the law. And they drive fast cars and rob banks and, and kiss girls. And they do, they do all the cool things cool people do. And Guy and his friend, the security guard played by Lil Ray Howery. I don't remember his name in the, in the movie. He, they are not that way. They're, they're, they're like normal people, right? They go to the bank and they work their jobs so when one day guy decides hey you know what i, I want to try to be one of these sunglass people i want to try to live live life on on the edge huh he gets a pair of sunglasses from a bank robber puts them on and discovers that he is a small part of something much much larger um and you the the world is i mean if you've seen the trailers you've seen it like the world is presented as this like kind of digital signage stuff over things there's health packs on the ground so it's a video game right like it's 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 a bit of the world of a video game that you can see your your heads up display your health bar your ammo counter how much money you have those are the things guy sees through his sunglasses and then it turns into like a like a they live kind of kind of movie, right? Like he, he anybody wearing the sunglasses can see what's really going on. Anybody not wearing them is completely clueless. So much like they live and Roddy Roddy Piper, he has to run around with these sunglasses and, and get other woke people to maybe wear sunglasses too and save the world using the power of this uh, this 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 newfound vision, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. The um... Yeah, the the mechanic. This is one of the things that's a little frustrating to me is that it takes Guy a little bit too long to kind of realize uh, he's in the game, um, which is kind of the whole premise of the film. And we've been talking about this lately with a lot of movies taking too long for their characters to realize the premise of the entire yeah. film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, because he like he puts on the glasses and he starts just doing all this cool stuff. He like can fight and he's like healing. He has all this money. Um, but he, you know, it takes him a while until he, uh, he kind of meets a Molotov girl and they establish a little bit of a friendship before he finally realizes what's going on, exactly what what's happening. And it just it takes a little bit too long to get there for me. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a Truman Show experience. Free guy is or really like an even better, um, more more approximate comparison would be the Lego movie because um, it's fundamentally the same plot. Uh just like the Lego movie, like guy is like Emmett, right? And he lives in this neat little cube world that's been created for him. And then he discovers, oh, I have this kind of unique power to do something different. He has to go against this wacky antagonist to, to save the world. Um, very similar to the Lego movie and also very similar to the Truman Show. And like Gandhi said, we we noticed this last, well, I noticed this last week with old. And, and since then, we've been kind of observing this in films like it is not a good screenwriting trope for your character to not understand what the audience already knows for over half the film. Like, for a couple of minutes, I get it, right? Like, I understand putting your characters in situations where they may not know what the audience knows. They may not know that the killer's around that corner, but we do. They may not know that there's a bomb under the desk, but we do, right? That That's what tension is. But when you advertise a film as Ryan Reynolds is a guy in a video game, and then it takes... 
like it's the end of the second act when he's finding out he's not he isn't a video game it's like we knew that the whole time we've just been waiting for you to catch up man um it makes things feel slow and it makes things it makes it makes you feel like the 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 film is talking down to you like it doesn't respect its audience um like we wouldn't know or something even though we obviously do it's it's not great but yeah uh, it's a little yeah it's a little frustrating and what i was gonna say is that a good example of avoiding that and doing it right i think is the green knight because we uh we we set off on our quest maybe 15 20 minutes in into the movie and where the audience is at the same place where our characters and on screen are Mm -hmm. yeah we're not doing we're not we're not spending 45 minutes in camelot waiting for the green knight to show up (laughs) it's true and and free guy doesn't have the simple setting that green knight has of course it does have to jump back and forth between the virtual world and the real world and that's where we get some different performances uh jody comer comes out of the visual video game world uh from her npc as molotov girl a a rough rambunctious yeah pink-haired australian accent gal uh you know to to a meek quiet blonde american woman uh she is a programmer uh who works for did you already explain this in the intro that i was i was here for okay great i won't say it again then great well her and joe keery kind of have a little bit of chemistry uh as as these two kind of dual programmers going up against this giant corporation tsunami that owns free city that that they they feel is is maybe not the most honest company and Antoine played by Taika Waititi, the villain who is at odds against them. And this guy, free guy, guy, Ryan Reynolds, who's running around his video game doing nice things instead of causing havoc and destruction, which I suppose is what he would want in a video game. So in between Ryan Reynolds doing his thing in the virtual world, you get people in the real world who are talking about computers and servers and, and how they're going to rewire the mainframe and a lot of like the generic technology movie woke lingo that like ultimately is not is not that awesome that, that that's that's in there <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah um yeah i was gonna say uh, taiko atiti's in this and he kind of plays like the big bad uh biz you know lord business of of this movie uh what <laughs> that was will ferrell's character in uh yes lord business. yeah uh so he he's kind of this like you know super douchebag um, who like dresses really, really weird and extravagantly and like thinks he he's like God's gift to gaming. And, you know, there's a big plot point about they're going to be launching uh, Free City 2 and that's going to completely wipe out Free City 1. So they have to like save the game, save the servers or whatever. So you don't delete everyone in, in the game um, as well. My, my, one of my big issues kind of uh, w- with this movie is that... Um, it doesn't turn things up enough. Like it, the accent is turned up to like eight or nine. It like, it never goes to 11. And I, I think like, and that's one of the things I think you kind of expect out of uh video when you play video games. And that's what I would wanted to kind of see on screen is that moment when like, we're going to see our main character just go ham for a number of reasons. And we, we see some cool stuff, but it's never kind of turned up enough for me. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Typically in a video game, there's some kind of boss fight, right? Where your character is going to get 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 kitted up and get all their cool weapons and stuff. And then they pull off a bunch of tricks and there's going to be explosions. That never really comes in this movie. That's safe for the real world, right? That's that's safe for the people outside of Free City who who have to deal with Taika Waititi and his madness. Um, who's, who's having a lot of fun on screen, by the way. He's actually, much like Lord Business, a genuinely enjoyable villain to watch um, just because he's terrible. 
additionally, Ryan Reynolds, I think, is having a lot of fun in this movie, uh, obviously being the lead. And he's how old is he? We, we looked it up. 45, 45, 45. He cannot be doing many more of these features, like in, in my opinion. The Deadpool bit works. He can wear a mask. But like the acting like a young, hip dude, I'm just like, dude, you're coming up on 50. Like he's got to be, he's got, he's, there may not be many more free guys for Ryan Reynolds, but he's good in this for what it is. There's some, some awkward lines. There's a couple chances he's given to improv lines and they're terrible and nobody laughs. Um, but you know, he's, he's doing his best. Jodie Comer, meanwhile, is a delight. She's great in this movie. She juggles multiple accents, multiple characters. Uh, she ages up, she ages down. Um, and she is 23, right? She's very young. 27, 28, I think. 27, 28. Okay, I was a little bit off, but she, she's off. The chemistry between her and Ryan Reynolds is okay. Uh, additionally, any chemistry between her and any other characters is a little not awesome. Joe Keery's all right. You know, the kid needs more work after Stranger Things, I think, and Lil Ray Howard is. He just always okay. looks yeah. like the kid from Stranger Things. Like, he looks I, like his character. Like Yeah, dude. If, well, if he, have you seen him with his haircut? Cause like it, no. it's a little like it, it's a little like Zoe Deschanel without the bangs. Like as soon as you take away this like signature part, the of hair the makes look, the man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like he, 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 you don't recognize him. He's not as familiar. So I'm, I'm assuming he had to keep it grown out for Stranger Things season four, which I think they're filming now. But, uh, he, wait, hold on. They made this like two years ago. I don't know why his hair's still long. I, I don't. You know, I assume for Stranger Things, but yeah. Uh, everyone's pretty good in this movie I think pretty solid performances the only real breakout is Jodie Comer who I think is really good and probably needs more work right everyone else we we know uh, like I said Ryan Reynolds Taika Waititi Joe Keery uh, Lil Rel Howery uh, that we we know from um, uh, Get Out he's the best friend the TSA agent in uh, Get Out Um, so he's got some good uh, comedic bits uh, as well yeah, he's not too bad. The comedy in this movie, like I said, is all right. Um, it, you know, it's hit and miss. Yeah, and and I felt like it was a bit more miss than hit, but it did get a couple laughs out of me. Um, so you know, it, 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 it at least mildly passed the laugh test for me. The action, like Andy said, is middling. You'd think it'd be a little better than it is, and honestly, the best action scenes are in the trailers. Um, one thing I did think was really charming about this movie was the set design. Um, you know, being a video game, a lot of our characters have like secret layers. They'll have like a, a penthouse or a suite or a garage somewhere that's like underground and has sick lights. And it's got a Ducati and like an Aprilia motorcycle and a helicopter in it, like all kinds of goofy, you know, what, whatever these players would own in their digital accounts, that's what will be in their sick garage that, that, that looks like it costs millions of dollars. So for like these little hidden layers and additionally like where the office is located of Tsunami, the, the company that makes this game, um, really solid set design. I don't know who picked those out. I was really pleased with them. Good lighting. I was like, man, uh, uh, the city the guy lives in is really clean and good looking. Like um, the sets, the settings of these places look really sharp. And I was I, that stood out to me. But uh Yeah. Yeah, they they did a good job of like really recreating a video game world in the stuff that isn't digital. Right. Yeah. Additionally, um, you do get some good variety in presentation. <laughs> the costumes are really simple, right? Guys, NPC. He has like three outfits, and they're all wearing the same pants. They're really just a variation of, of shirts. Um, you do get some fun with the sunglasses. I noticed at a few different points, Ryan Reynolds is wearing different models of sunglasses. So I guess I don't know. That would have been a good time for for uh, p- product placement. 
Oh, I'm sure that last, like in the, in the finale, it's like sunset and he's wearing this. I swear to God, they're a pair of Warby Parkers. I don't know for sure, but like I, I was looking at him, I was like, those are specifically picked for this scene to be like nice glasses versus action scenes where he's wearing like, you know, big, big, thick Coke bottle lenses. Looks like Buddy Holly. So yeah, I, I, I think there's some, some product placement there for sure. I just don't know it, but, um, you know, overall, like the presentation for being a live action film, solid. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was going to say, it reminded me of, we talked about this a little bit, of a lot of other films. Like you said, The Truman Show. I was also reminded of um, Inception and The Matrix yeah. because when they're in the video game world and kind of create their their own world and kind of manifest things a lot of times. So there's a little bit of that going on. It's, it's very inspired by a lot of other properties, but in a good way. Ultimately, I'm curious, Andy, did, is this better than you thought it was going to be? Is it right in the middle? I mean, because for me, I, I have to say it's probably a little better than I thought it was going to be. It's better than I thought I was. it was going to be. I I mean, my bar was like on the ground for this, so I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, any other thoughts for recommendations? I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Free Guy? Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's good action, good good comedy. Ryan Reynolds is always good. Uh, like I said, newcomer uh, Jodie Comer, who we're also going to go see in the Last Duel coming out in October, um, is really good. It's a lot of fun. It's not necessarily rush out and go see it on the big screen. Um, if you're not too excited about it, I'd just say save it for streaming. Uh, and the only thing I guess that really bothered me about it is like it's just it's long. If it just kind of drags, uh, I could probably shave you know fifteen twenty minutes off it. Yeah, a hundred minute movie, a hundred minute movie. That's what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. We want it to be nice and tight. I did think initially going in the, the runtime on this was probably good. It was just a little over 90 minutes, but then ultimately it does start to feel slow in the middle. I would, I think recommend free guy. I, I don't love it. It's not amazing, but like if you need a chill date night movie or, or something to kind of cleanse your palate at the theater, you just want something relaxing, take the family or the kids to go for it. It's a solid feature. It's not going to hurt anybody. You'll probably get a couple good laughs out of it. It's not doing anything incredible, but it's not hurting anybody. So free guy, not, not, not such a bad scene. I don't think. And with that, uh, we should move on to our next section of the show. We're going to talk about some movies that are coming up, some things we think are worth your time. We don't often do a segment like this. Normally we do this only every few ish months and that's only if there's ever really good stuff. So I'm excited to say there's some good things coming our way. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, Andy, what do you want to take? The first three or four of these? How do you want to split this Yeah, out? I'll take the, uh, the first three. Go for it. Uh, so our kind of next big movie that, that we're going to be looking at is at the end of the month, uh, August 27th, which is Candyman, uh, the new remake uh, by Nia DaCosta um, starring um yaya abdul mateen the second uh this looks great uh jordan peele is actually one of the credited writers is as well this is one of my favorite properties uh horror properties and it's um i actually recently watched the the old films which are you know nearly 30 25 30 years old uh this looks pretty scary and i'm excited to see where that goes um so i'm excited about that uh the following weekend as we go into september uh, the very first big release is uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which uh, comes out on September 3rd. That is theaters only. That will not be on Disney+. Plus. Um, and, of course, stars uh, Simu Liu and Aquafina in uh, the major major roles. It's Marvel. It Marvel's always kind of a, a slam slam dunk, so I, yeah. I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, the action looks really cool. It, it's it looks cool to to see them do like a full on martial arts uh, style film. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 
that's really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to that. And then, uh, kind of the following week, well, we have, we have a couple, um, September 10th, uh, we, we have a horror movie called Malignant, which I've seen a couple of trailers for uh, in theaters. Uh, I saw I also saw Don't Breathe 2 over the weekend, and uh, this played in front of it. Um, but this is about a girl who is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying realities. So it's a girl who's kind of manifest or she sees these violent murders happen you know elsewhere in in the city but uh it's like she's right there um this looks like a a low budget horror movie but it looks like you know a lot of fun it'll probably it's one of those things that'll probably turn a profit if it makes 20 million dollars it'll it'll be a a huge profit Mm. and then we also have the uh paul schrader's uh latest uh film he's one who did uh last reformed or first reformed uh a few years ago and uh, the card counter stars. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, his name I actually now. got pulled up here. It's got Oscar okay. Isaac, Willem Dafoe, uh, Ty Sheridan, and Tiffany Haddish. Uh, Oscar Isaac stars as our lead, a, a mysterious card counter who's an ex-military interrogator turned gambler, haunted by the ghosts of his past. Uh, Schrader, like Andy said, did direct First Reformed. Uh, he also is is as a storied history as a writer, specifically for yep. Scorsese. Uh, he wrote Raging Bull, among many others. This film is presented by Martin Scorsese produced in association with i'm sure and i can't speak for schrader's directing but first reformed is supposed to be good stuff maybe this will be good stuff too yeah i'm looking forward to it it's kind of the trailer is um looks a little hokey it's weak it's a weak trailer yeah if it it had anyone else's name attached to it i I wouldn't be interested in it but because it is paul schrader and he is has such a great writing uh resume and uh you know first reformed was was an an incredible piece of writing as well i'm I'm looking forward to it because i know he can write incredible scripts so yeah i'm I'm excited excited to get it well on uh, september 17th blue bayou is coming to theaters we reviewed this trailer a couple a couple episodes back on the trailer park uh, blue bayou uh, is directed by Justin Chan. The story is a, about a Korean-American man who's raised in the Louisiana Bayou who works hard, makes life for his family, but he has to confront the ghosts of his past as he discovers they could be deported from the only country he's ever called home. Seems timely, seems informative. I'm not really familiar with the cast. Uh, I know Alicia Vikander's in it, and I know... Uh, oh, is Justin Chan starring as the lead? Director, yes. writer, lead. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. Right, writer, director, lead actor, Justin. He's Chan. a triple threat. <laughs> He's a triple threat, ladies and gentlemen. He's come for the big one. Uh, hopefully, that's good stuff. I'm excited to watch him when it comes to theaters on the 17th of September. Uh, two more movies to go before we get to our review. We've got The Eyes of Tammy Faye, a movie that is uh, kind of odd looking, starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield as uh, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker, two televangelists who are working their way up through the ranks of American multicultural nationalism. I don't know what I was... I, I didn't have an ending for that sentence in my brain, just trying to put <laughs> something together. Anyway, uh, this tells the story of, tele- of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker... Uh, how she came up through the world with her husband as a as a young singing country music star at church to become the biggest televangelist in the world. Uh, the the rise, fall, and redemption of her is told through this Michael Showalter film. And any hot takes on this one? I know I've got one more movie to talk about, but I'm just curious. What do you this, what do you think of this? It kind of has that. Um, please give me an Oscar vibe to it because like 
Uh, Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield both they, they have like ridiculous amount of makeup. They're t- they putting on these these really big Southern accents. Like they're really leaning into the role, but it's it's like the the famous uh, Renee Zellweger role from uh, Cold Mountain, where she's just like, "Give please give me an Oscar, please." That's all. Yeah. That's what this like movie screams. So it's like it's interesting, but it like I said, it just it looks really Oscar baity. It does, yeah, and and Chastain is covered in makeup. That's fairly convincing, to be fair. She does not look like herself, but um, I I don't know how to feel about this movie. We'll see what comes out. And lastly, we've got Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, this is a PG-13 adaptation of the Tony and Grammy award-winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. Uh, the trailer is really unique. I know it stars Ben Platt, uh, who won a Tony for it back when it was in, in, in on Broadway is what I'm looking to say. I was going to say in theaters. Uh, and I think it's supposed to be a really compelling story. The only thing I've, I've heard might be questionable is Ben Platt might be a little too aged up for the role, but uh, oh, right. as far as I know, his father's an executive producer on it and that'll lace that up, man. Hey, when, when dad's helping make the movie, <laughs> guess who gets to be in it? Sure. So I hope it's good stuff. Shoot. I, I, like I said, I know, I know the, the play's got a lot of awards. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. It's, you know, I'm always a fan of a good movie musical. Um, and it's, it, it's very, um, timely sub subject matter as well so uh, yeah i'm interested to see what that's going to be like yeah me too so by, yeah by the way by the way i was looking forward to, to or looking forward to what's coming out in october october is a totally stacked month for releases wait really we'll in, oh complete like every single week there's like multiple movies that are ridiculous yeah we can get it we'll but we can get into that uh next month okay as as that approaches but there is uh yeah every week there's at least two movies coming out that I want to see. We're getting so to that point where all the movies that were held back over the pandemic are getting like placed and pushed and coming up on holiday 2021, October, November is going to be some hot features. I'm sure. So yeah, yeah, Absolutely. it'll be a good, it'll be a good time with the movies. So if you want to keep up with these films, if you want to keep up with what we're watching, subscribe to off script and we can, uh, you know, We'll, we'll keep you posted every single Tuesday. I got to stop plugging. So I got to, I got to stop plugging the subscribe, like in the middle of the show. It's, it's hokey. I'm not into it, but anyway, uh, let's jump into our final review of the episode. I'm going to be taking the summary on this one. So please excuse my clumsy delivery. The movie is Netflix's Beckett. No one knows where we are. It's really just the two of us. There was an accident with the car. Where's my girlfriend, April? So Beckett is the story of a young American man on the run in a foreign land. Uh, at first, I thought Beckett might be a little Hitchcock. Uh, I think I might have overread it, but I'm excited to talk about what it is. Uh, here's the here's the line: Following a tragic car accident in Greece. Beckett, an American tourist, finds himself at the center of a dangerous political conspiracy and on the run for his life. The movie stars John David Washington as the lead Beckett. You've most recently seen him in Tenet or for listeners of our podcast, Malcolm and Marie on Netflix, which he was also in as the lead. Uh, it also stars Boyd Holbrook, Elisa uh, Vikander, and Vicky Kreps, uh, who most recently was in Old. I did not expect to see her again. And she's in this film, which is really charming. Uh, it's glad to see she's doing well. 
Uh, the movie's directed by Ferdinando Cita Filomarino. I know I butchered that, but he's a young, uh, up-and-coming Greek director and writer who I think most famously was the second unit director on Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino film that got a lot of buzz. So he's definitely got some experience. And this is Netflix's first uh, original feature from Greece that they've contracted. So big win for Greek film. Uh, this is a smaller movie. It's a, sm it's a small budget. It's very simple for the most for most of the film. Beckett is on the run er uh, early in the film. Uh, something is, uh, something happens. There's there's a car accident that Beckett and his girlfriend are in. Uh, the girlfriend essentially goes missing and Beckett has to try to find out what's happened to her and find out what's going on with him when suddenly right in the middle of that stress a police officer shoots at him and then they keep shooting at him and then another police officer shoots at him before he knows it he's on the run through the Greek countryside with no phone and no plan and certainly no idea what the hell's going on and he has to try to unwrap this political conspiracy while also trying to get to the American embassy and hopefully make it home uh and and you know, get out of there. The movie's one hour and 50 minutes long, in my opinion, but I'm curious to see what Andy thinks. Andy, what does you think of Netflix's Beckett? So there's a lot going on here that I think works pretty well, and then there's some things that don't. We were talking about films that take forever to get to their premise, and this is one of them. This takes, like, a half hour t to get going, and then once once you're there, I, I think it's great. But the beginning is slow. There's this romantic subplot involving Alicia Vikander at the very beginning, uh, you could cut her completely out of this movie, not going to make a difference. Um, and this, this falls squarely in the genre of person sees something they shouldn't and is on the run. Uh, that's basically the whole, the whole movie. Uh, we get a really good performance from John David Washington because uh, he's like the anti Jason Bourne where he like, he's like not a badass and he's like, you know, he's not a ninja and can beat people up. He's just an average guy and people are shooting at him and he's trying to get away and he, he like, you know, he's not beating everyone up. He's like, he gets pretty injured like uh, throughout the, the film. You know, so there's this paranoia. He's on the run. You know, he's clearly seen something he shouldn't, which is part of a larger kind of political plot uh, that un unwraps through the the film. So, so some of that is exciting. Um, it's just not exciting enough. And and also, there's a lot of this cast is completely wasted because they're just frankly not in the film very long. Uh, like I said, Alicia Vikander, she's out in the first 15 minutes. Uh, Vicky Kreps, she's in in the movie maybe eight minutes uh boyd holbrook same thing so like you, you got a really good cast but you're not really using them uh and when they show up on screen you immediately get suspicious because you're like everyone else is a nobody and then all of a sudden you got a big star playing a really mi minor role so kind of give things uh, away but um but but really the the standout here is john david washington's performance as an injured man on the run trying to you know kind of hide run hide from the police he's got it he's got to get from the uh, you know, Greek countryside to Athens to the U.S. embassy, and there's a lot in his way uh, to kind of do that. Yeah, I think fundamentally this is a, a character drama. Really, the only thing that works for it is is kind of our actors. And like Andy said, three of them, three of the big ones, are barely in the feature. Fundamentally, who you're watching here is John David Washington, who's an interesting watch. I mean, Christopher Nolan choosing Washington to play the lead in Tenet was a unique choice because he didn't really have a reputation. He had been on HBO's Ballers and he'd been a couple other features. He'd done Black Klansman with Spike Lee. But other than that, nobody really knows who he is. So having Washington as this young, unknown lead playing this mysterious protagonist in a Christopher Nolan feature is a really good fit. 
And here it kind of fits too. Uh, John David Washington is this, you know, unique individual who's out doing his thing. You don't really know what he's about. You don't really know his background. And in the same way he kind of fits in Tenet, he kind of fits in this movie. The difference is in Tenet, he is a furious individual. I mean, those fight scenes in Tenet, he is throwing people across the room. He is so like angry and filled with rage. Yeah, he's, he's Jason. He's Jason Bourne. Yes. Yeah. Like he's so quick and brutal. Like it's a, yeah, Jason Bourne or, or, or like uh, modern James Bond, uh, uh, like very, very efficient uh, action star. This movie he doesn't have any of those skills. <laughs> You've completely taken them away from him. He is he is a know-nothing, have-no-weapon, run-away-from-everything protagonist. And that doesn't make him very exciting. Like, it, it makes it fun to watch him run away from the bad guys for the first, you know, 20 minutes. But after, like, an hour into the feature of, like, slowly evading capture... It's not very exciting and it's not, you'd think it would be something like Mad Max's Fury Road and it really isn't. It's much slower. I, I read, like I said, originally I, I attributed it to be Hitchcockian. I really thought it was like a Hitchcock feature, something like North by Northwest, right? Stranger in a strange land running, running from the bad guys that he doesn't understand, but that's overreading it. It's, it's just a little simpler than that. And, and that's a shame. Um, so we should talk about that pacing in a minute, but as far as performances go, Andy, anything, anything memorable worth saying? Well, like I said, uh, he plays an injured man on on the run, uh, really convincingly. He, you know, gets shot at, he gets beat up, like he he starts the the film with a broken arm, uh, you know. So there's a lot going on. Like I said, the rest of the cast is kind of wasted because they're just in the in the movie for so such a short time. Yeah, I I don't know how Mr. Phil Marino managed to get this cast. I mean, I'm I'm assuming he's done it on the back of his reputation. Um, but that's really the only thing that's outstanding here. If these were four names that you, that we didn't know, if these were just four nobodies, John David Washington, Boyd Holbrook, Vicky Krebs, and Lisa Vikander, if they were just four people, like, you know, student films or anything, nobody would be watching this movie. Like, really, the only reason you stop and look at this on Netflix is because of John David Washington's face. And that's really the only feature that's worth talking about. So I should talk about the pacing a little bit. I can't just say, hey, there's nothing else good happening in here. That doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about it. It takes a little while for this movie to get started. I'm glad Andy agreed with me, at least in our initial watch. Uh, but once it gets going, the, the kind of cat and mouse game is at least mildly captivating to start, right? Our first act is the setup. He's in, he's in Greece. He's with his girlfriend. They're crazy about each other. Something goes wrong. He's in the hospital. He comes to the world does not make sense anymore. Suddenly he has to run from the cops. He's got to run to the American embassy. He doesn't have a phone. Obviously his girlfriend is nowhere to be found. The situation is not great. And at least initially in that chase, you get some decent stuff. It's outdoors, right? You're running through the Greek countryside. Uh, a lot of exterior shots, simple lighting, solid. But then you find out pretty quickly, most of the rest of the film is that way. Um, nearly all of it is outdoors. Nearly all of it is natural lighting. And I think it's just that way because that's just how they were making the movie. Like it's simple and it's low budget and that's what they're going to do. And it's a little distracting from a presentation standpoint. Well, also, there's this, you know, subplot invo involving uh, the child of a, the kidnapped child of a politician, and there's this whole, like, political thing in the background, and it just isn't really convincing enough. Like, Beckett, ne like, Beckett is essentially a tourist who, like, stumbles upon this and gets involved, and it kind of, it really doesn't make a lot of sense that way. Like, he should have been, a, like, a journalist or somehow more involved in it because, like, you, you don't really ever care about, like, this this whole, like, politi political intrigue, which is supposed to also be a part of what we see. 
Yeah, it, it lacks like the unique trappings of like like a, like a more traditional slasher feature, right? You you got you got you got a woman running away from Michael Myers. You know it's because he's evil and she needs to get away from him. But here we don't really understand what it is he's running from. And then when you finally find out, it's really over overly wrought and too complex <laughs> and not not well explained either. It's kind of just explained through dialogue. It's a whole lot of tell and not show. And it's people talking about, oh, there's this there's this boy that went missing and, and the, the Greek government is looking to get him so they can get. And it's like really confusing. And it's like, what the hell does this have to do with our lead? Not to mention, and, and this is something that probably isn't worth mentioning, but I feel like I should say it. Beckett is the only black man in Greece. Like there are in no, all of Greece. <laughs> there are no other black people anywhere in this movie, like ever. As far as I could tell, I, I did not see any. And you think at least once one person would point that out in the feature. Like you'd see a black guy running down the street in Greece with his arm bleeding and a cast and he's limping and he's running from somebody screaming, help, help the cops. You think at least somebody somewhere would point that out in the world of the film, but like it is never even close to addressed. Um, And it's weird. It, It feels out of place. It feels unnatural. It feels forced. It feels like we're watching a play and not reality, you know? And that's, that's a bummer. Cause I think the thing this movie does really well is lean into its realistic trappings. What with using landscapes and settings and actual Greek landmarks to tell its story. Yeah. It's also strange that, that kind of the person kind of most involved in this, uh, political plot is a tourist and not, you know, it would make more sense if he was like an expat or something of that more like uh, someone more invested in Greece and the the political goings on there. And so it, it's kind of weird that it's a random American kind of here to save the day. Right. Uh, yeah. From you poor Greeks. Uh, like, it's, so the, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say you're, you're absolutely right. It's confusing how he is drawn to be the victim in this feature. And then you find out he's only the victim because he's being victimized at the hands of somebody else's like tragedy. There's, there's this whole other deep state thing going on. So not only is he wrongfully victimized, but there's really no reason for us to be following him in the first place. Like it's just kind of an odd, an odd play, an odd thing to follow protagonist for. Yeah. It's the wrong person in this uh, narrative to be following for, for this political espionage uh, thing. That's mm-hmm. way bigger than his his situation. I don't have really a whole lot to say about the cinematography, the lighting, the color. I mean, everything felt pretty standard as far as filmmaking goes. So there's not really anything wonderful to talk about there. Ultimately, I guess I'm curious, Andy, why do you think this movie is at number two on Netflix right now? Is it because it's getting a lot of buzz or is it just because it's got John David Washington on it? It's got what what we were talking about at the it, the story about gunpowder milkshake. It's got a big name and it's got s- some action in it. Uh, yeah, and and it's smaller level action. You know, it it's again it, this is and I keep referencing Jason Bourne, but that's what it is. It's it's more s- simple. You know, it's one guy fighting another guy, not like this army fighting that army. Uh, so it's it's smaller in scale, but it you know it's got a lot of action. It's got big names. Like oh. I said, in in addition, we have Alicia Vikander, Vicky Kreps, Boyd Holbrook is a supporting cast member. So I, I think that's why. And it's also, it's new. It is. That's true. Uh, one one thing I just realized, I'm looking at the director, uh, Ferdinando Cito Filomarinos, uh, IMDb. He's also second unit director on Suspiria. It's very exciting. Luca Guadagnino, man. He picks makes his sense. people and he sticks with them. Yeah, it makes sense. Call him by your name, Suspiria. Anyway. Um... 
ultimately this movie's a little lacking. I don't think it's malicious. I think it's just a young director who's finding their, you know, finding their footing. This is somebody who's not new in the industry, but certainly has worked with names and visionaries who have, uh, you know, had bigger budgets and bigger ideas and he's working his way up. You know, I I'd like to see what he does next. I hope it's a little bit more cinematic because in, in its best moments, this feels like a Hitchcock film and its worst moments, it feels like a home movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, once again, Netflix just excels at this mediocrity of film. And, and again, you have a good star. You've obviously spent money to go to Greece and film on location. But the, the script is mediocre. Again, yeah. the, the writing is always the problem in these movies. And it seems like Netflix just doesn't care until it's November and it's Oscar season. Then, w- then we'll get a couple of good movies. Yeah. Um, but before then, it's just like the, the TV movie of the week. Yeah, that just seems to be the way they go. Um, that's a bummer. I I, I I wish it didn't have to be that way, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm glad, you know, I should say I'm glad that Netflix is offering opportunities to filmmakers from different parts of the world. That is good. All right. And I'm, I don't expect, you know, film films from uh, fil- films coming out of Greece to have the same production quality as those made in sunny California in the in the good old US of A. But um, with the cast here, it does. It just feels a little misleading. Like it just feels like there's going to be more going on than there is. And I think a tweak in uh, presentation marketing materials might help fix that. You know, might help smooth it out a little bit. Present this as more of an indie feature. Present it as a smaller budget feature, as as a real stab at something bigger. And I think it's good. Present it as you know John David Washington's on the cover, and it looks a little like Tenet. You're going to be disappointed. It's just not going to be it. So Andy, any any of them with thoughts for recommendations? No, I think I'm ready. Annie, would you recommend Beckett? No. <laughs> I'm gonna go All right. Soft, soft pass. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's fine. It's just kind of mediocre. Like I said, it's too long. It takes a half hour to get going. Uh, there are some good action scenes here. The John David Washington's performance is is really solid, I think. Uh, the plot's just not super interesting. The payoff isn't very interesting. The plot's almost too big for the character. This whole like political espionage is, is a little too much for just uh, a tourist, essentially. Uh, who could probably care less and would rather just leave the country and not have to deal with any of it. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, if it interests you, it's not bad, but overall I would just say pass. Yeah, I, I think if Washington goes on to have a reputation as Sterling as his father, um, Denzel Washington, um, this may be a feature people look back on as like, oh man, this is a really unique character drama and like this is where he was working into something bigger and if you're interested in watching films like exclusively because they star john david washington like go off like uh, it's it's a decent time following around he's playing a different kind of character but still kind of this uh lovelorn protagonist um but ultimately there's just not enough here going on to 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 really it's not a showstopper it's not enough for me to say man drop what you're doing you got to go watch beckett it's awesome so bit of a pass for me sorry to say it it's okay it's okay you know and and i'd be happy to have a conversation with anybody about it but uh i don't know i i i haven't i haven't seen the magic in beckett i'm not i'm not sure there's enough there to really talk about but if you do enjoy us talking about movies like Beckett or Free Guy or any of the exciting things that are coming out, what you can do is you can subscribe to Offscript Film Review to get new episodes just like this one delivered straight to your phone every single Tuesday. You can find us on Facebook where we live stream our show uh, every Tuesday. We're live streaming right now, actually, as of this recording. If you're hearing it after the fact or seeing it after the fact, you missed it. Come back on Tuesdays. Follow us for more. And you can follow us on Facebook to keep up with us. You can follow us on Instagram or on Twitter or on YouTube where we upload our live streams just after the show every Tuesday. And you can follow us there as well. 
But the biggest thing you can do to help off script, to help your uh, your boys in blue here who are working hard, going to see movies every single week, is just subscribe. Subscribe to the show. Get new episodes delivered straight to you. Rate and review if you like. That would help us a ton too. Drop us a five star and a couple of kind words. Uh, we'll likely read your correspondence on the air because that's how we do here at Script, the home of bold cinema. Oh my God, Andy, what are we watching next week? I, I sprung right into the whole <laughs> uh, the spiel. Yeah, hold on. What are we What are we watching next week? No problem. Uh, well, we're taking a break next week um, to uh, get ready for the big release at the end of the month that we're very excited excited for, which is of course Candyman um, coming out August twenty seventh, and we'll also be uh, figuring out what else to watch uh, that week. We'll have to take a look at the the streaming offerings uh but that's what we got going on so on break next week and then Candyman uh the following i'm excited to see Candyman. i think it's either going to be something rad like a sick new slasher horror flick based on the original that i've seen or it'll be like netflix's velvet revolver and like totally forgettable probably yeah. leaning into the into, into the former i doubt it's the latter but i'm excited to see it uh and we will be back with that wednesday august 27th for more hot hot uh hot stuff the august 27th is not a wednesday it's a friday it's not yes indeed wait a second so, okay so we won't be back august 27th we'll be back probably tuesday the 31st that's probably go, yeah. yeah that's probably the 27th correct. is when candy man comes me. out yes i got so stoked about candy man i didn't bother to say that here the 31st got it wait boom wednesday august 31st so if you enjoyed the show Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. If you have the means, throw us a little subscribe button on your favorite podcast outlet. We're everywhere and we're excited to do it. But most importantly, we like watching movies. Movies are expensive. A, Podcasts are cheap. That's Come a Tuesday. That's a Tuesday. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. You know what? I'm just, it's fine. <laughs> there we go. Thanks for, you know what, Dr. Draper, you have a space between the R and the dot in your doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.